Welcome to the Humor in Games podcast, an analog and video games podcast about how humor is experienced, designed, and analyzed in games. We are Scott DeYoung, Mark Lajeunesse, and Andre Zanescu, and we'll be your guides in this six-episode series. Throughout each episode, we'll break down different theories and forms of humor. We'll draw on interviews with designers, critics, and academics as they discuss the different aspects of humor, their own lived experiences, and how their work utilizes humor in games. On this episode of the podcast, we speak to independent video game creator Karina Pop. We talk about parody in games, the humorous affordances of designing indie games, Space Cats, and Strodes. I'm Karina Pop. I'm a game developer uh, based in New York City. Uh, I mostly make, I guess what I would describe as like, kind of like artsy, fartsy style small games. Um, uh, some of the games I made are like, a uh, game called 10 Mississippi that was like nominated for an IGF, was at some festivals and stuff. Um, I, I do some freelance work and I, I teach at a bunch of different like game design programs in the city. Um, yeah, that's that's all about me, I guess. Yeah, I mean, we're looking forward to kind of talking about some of these artsy fartsy games as you <laughs> describe them yourself today. Um, but before, we like to ask everyone that comes on the podcast to talk about a game or a game moment that they find particularly funny or particularly humorous. Um, so is there one that stands out for you? Uh, this is tough because I think, I think like most games are funny. I think like it would be easier for me to name a game like I don't think is funny in particular. Um, I... And like my instinct is like to say like oh like frog fractions like uh how do you do it uh how to full boyfriend like a game that like oh that's like a comedy game um but when i when i really like sat down to think about it i think i would say like the sims is, is a game that's particularly funny to me it's like this perfect combination of like funny content like just funny writing or like funny things to do and then like this play space where you can do kind of silly and absurd things and then like the cherry on top, like the most important thing to me is that like uh, there's like a lot of bugs. There's like a lot of room for like the system to mess mess up and like hilarious things to happen that weren't intended. Um, it's like it's like in this golden area of, of funny for me. Yeah, I think that's a really interesting choice because a lot of people will talk about like the slapstick ridiculousness of like game physics. But I, I think The Sims has a lot of potential too to be really funny as a player too. Um, and so as we kind of talk about humor today, how do you see it relating to the work that you do generally? Yeah, um, I think that it is, it's like just a, a huge motivator for me. Um, I think even if I make something that in the end isn't funny, I it's, it's often like coming from a, a joke at some point. Um, and it, which is weird because I think like I think if like a stranger were to like look at my portfolio or look at my itch.io, they'd be like, oh, this girl just like makes like emo, like semi-autobiographical games. Um, and I do put jokes in them, but I will like fully acknowledge that like any game I have is that's publicly accessible is not very funny um, or like wouldn't fit into that genre of, of funny game. Um, but on like for me personally like I, I make a bunch of games that like on my own that are funny like I I I think that the game space and like the the sort of potential of a digital space has so much room to do ridiculous things in it um and I want to experiment and explore and see what is possible um and then in the end I like I I, I I'm really precious about those things like 
if I make something like serious or like it, that's exploring an idea and, and somebody doesn't under, understand it or like doesn't vibe with it, I'm, I'm okay with that. But when I make something funny that's meant to make people laugh and like people don't laugh, like I will die. I will just perish. Like it, it's like uh, it's humor in my work is something that's really, really important to me, um, if that makes sense. Oh, for sure. I mean, that awkwardness of like telling a joke and then having people stare back at you and you're like, this was funny. Oh. I, I swear it's funny. <laughs> Let me explain it. That'll make it better. <laughs> I mean, I still stand by a good explained joke is great. Um, <laughs> yeah. And so I guess because you were saying there's like a lot of affordances that digital games have. Are there any in particular that you find yourself drawn to as a designer when you're thinking about funny things like the the graphics, the narrative, the mechanics? What, what kind of aspects do you typically try to insert humor into? Sure. Like, I, I think that like the, the one I, I'm most drawn to just because it's the easiest. It's just like writing like funny, funny jokes occasionally. Um, but the ones that I find most compelling are like the things that I think are funny in a really like holistic way that like are, are incorporating everything in the game together uh, to create humor um, or to create something that like you may not describe as humorous, but gives you that feeling that sort of like that traditional like 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 um, like definition of humor is being like when you have an expectation and then that expectation is like subverted. Um, there's I find it interesting to lean into that in games because so much of games are like built around this idea of like players having a grasp on the expectations of the system and the interaction. Um, and I like the idea of like playing around with like overturning that and like not meeting a player's expectation. And I personally find that to be hilarious, I guess. Um, yeah. Yeah, I was wondering if you could maybe speak to an example because I was looking a little bit through your portfolio and there's so many games that have such a change on how we would naturally think about engaging with game systems and so i'm wondering if there's like one example of either game that you've made or if you want to talk about someone else's game that's fine too but um that that kind of really exemplifies this sure so um i mentioned 10 mississippi when i was like giving my my about me spiel um which again to me is a game that falls into that like emo like semi-autobiographical realm um, but I have a bunch of things in there that I think are, are kind of silly and funny and subverting what you expect to happen. Um, so like, for example, like there's like a, a scene and in the game, it's, it's like a series of 10 second like vignettes with a very simple interaction of a very boring thing during a day, like um, making some ramen, eating your ramen, riding the subway. Um, and there's a point where you're checking your email and the email that you're looking at is um, it's like a reminder about paying your student loans and the, the text of the email is very cringy and I don't even think like you have 10 seconds, most people probably can't even read it and your only interactive like uh, thing that you have to do is, is hit the delete key and if you delete it, it'll, if you just hit, hit it once, it'll like get rid of the email but if you just like keep repeatedly pressing delete, the computer that you're on will just blue screen and will, will break. Um, so stuff, stuff like that. Um, I think also like in one of my favorite moments in it that like one person found funny and it was the most gratifying thing to me was um, near the end of the game there's a scene where you're essentially masturbating you're like reading some fanfic uh, and you just have to repeatedly press the O key uh, through through this scene and uh, again the fanfic text is like really cheesy and silly and no one had ever mentioned it to me like no like 
had pointed out like, oh, is that masturbating or like what's going on in that scene? But I was showing the game at GDC and uh, there was, you know, there's like a bunch of people that come up and play your game. Um, and it's like, it's mostly, it's mostly dudes that were playing it. And then at some point, one day this woman comes and she plays it and she gets to that scene and she pauses and she turns around and looks at me with like kind of this like conspiratorial look and is like, is that what I think it is? And I'm like, yeah. And then she just starts laughing. And uh, that was the best. I, I was really, really happy with that. Um, because in a game that was otherwise kind of like, I don't know, straight laced, I guess, to have that scene to me was hilarious. I'm glad this like one woman like got the joke and was into it. <laughs> I think that's really funny, especially in the context of like GDC, where like there's people milling about and you just have this like person spamming the OT. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that's amazing. Um, and I mean, speaking a little bit about kind of the conventions you've been to, uh, you, you've mentioned Games for Change, which is a pretty big organization, especially in the world that that I'm in as well. And you know, those games are serious games, they're educational games, they're games with purpose. Um, and so how does humor kind of fit into those sometimes more serious design spaces? How do you kind of see comedy and jokes fitting into these games for change style of design? Um, I think that they're, from my perspective, one of the more compelling um, like methods within that sphere of games for change. Um, I come from like a like a background like of, of like, you know, growing up watching like The Daily Show and The Colbert Report and, and reading The Onion. Like a lot of my um, politics like as a kid and my interest in like social justice came from reading and consuming humorous satirical content. And so like I have a natural affinity for it and will uh, like advocate for that. I think I think, like, you know, there was, within game studies and then, like, the people that would make games and do game studies, not naming names, had this idea of, like, oh, I'm going to make a game that has a system in it, and it's, like, factually based, and it's going to convince somebody, like, you're going to play around with this world, and, and it'll, it'll, um, it'll be this argument for why you should believe this thing or think about this thing. And that's not really very successful and has the, the potential to backfire. Um, whereas humor is, is partially just kind of an, an emotional appeal and that kind of more like rhetorical device of appealing to somebody based on their feelings, I think is more effective, especially now in a world in which so many people are like basing their political opinions and views of the world on their feelings rather than like data or facts. I think it's much stronger to make a joke or um, kind of on, on the like related, but quite the opposite. I also think like simply making an empathetic appeal, like showing someone's perspective is effective. Um, being really like vulnerable and, and showing like the life of a person. And then on the opposite side of that coin to me is humor, like thinking of something like, um, like it's barely a game, but, like the thoughts and prayers flash game um, that is a direct response to the, the very common uh, occurrence of mass shootings in America um, when politicians or other leaders leaders will say something like oh thoughts and prayers with the victims and so in this game you just you just press a button that produces thoughts and prayers meant to be like this is useless like without action this is useless um, for me the way that like sort of manifests in what I do is that like uh, I I want to 
I want to use that in kind of a, a meta way. So I, I worked on a game a while ago called Political Dolphin, um, which was like a point and click adventure game uh, that was about a dolphin who wanted global warning, warming to happen because the dolphin said that there would be more water in the ocean to swim in. Um, and then all the humans that the, the dolphin is trying to convince throughout this game are like, but dolphin, the, the ocean will turn to acid. Like you, you will not like this. And it was about that very like meta idea of like, the dolphin's opinions aren't really based on reality. Um, and then in the end you find out like the dolphin is paid off by oil lobbies or something. Um, so it's, I don't know, I guess like, I, I personally think humor in the context of something that is trying to make a change in the world is really strong, I guess. Like, I don't know. I, I think that those are the best kinds of games for change. Yeah, no, I think humor and it's something that I think you put really nicely, but a lot of other people have touched on in our podcast episodes kind of has this really evocative place in games where when used wisely like having a dolphin that is trying to convince people to increase global warming can bring people into this larger argument which i think is really cool and wonderful about the work that you're doing and i also have to kind of call you out a little bit here because I was looking at your Twitter and kind of prepping for our conversation today and your bio says I make no fun games and I feel like in your discussion here some of these games sound a little bit more fun than perhaps you're leading on so can you kind of explain a little bit what you mean by like no fun games and if or how that might relate to humor yeah so I mean partially that is that that is me being like preemptively defensive uh because again i think any game that if you went to my itch to go play like i would not describe any of them as fun like they're not fun at all um they're me being like overly intellectual or just like messing around with code um and then but i would also say that it's I think not fun things are funny. Like, I, I think boring things are funny. Um, I think that there's this tendency, and I, I do find it amusing, but there's this tendency in games to, like, go for, the, like, the really, like, off-the-wall funny things. Like, I love things like Goat Simulator. Like, physics simulation things are, are hilarious. Like, all these funny things will happen in them. The goat is bouncing off of things. The tongue is stuck to things it shouldn't be. Um, but, like, uh, the the tiny boring things in life to me are funny too. Like a kind of like waiting for Godot kind of perspective on humor, just like mundane modernity kind of style of humor, um, which to me is 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 funny. But I also think not traditionally what people would say is fun. I guess for sure. And I I I think it's really cool how we can see humor kind of exist on both ends of the spectrum, right? The absolute crazy in those, those spaces of, of boredom. I think you actually wrote banality in one of your descriptions on your games, which I think is a really nice term to describe what you were saying there. But you also included that with terms like body and parody. Um, and I wonder kind of where you see specifically bodies in terms of humor and the design work that you're doing. Like, what, what is that word referencing there? Um, mostly referencing the way the sort of normative way we think about bodies in digital space. Um, I presented a paper on the subject DIGRA a few years ago, but it's, a, it's an idea that I think a lot of people have talked about that like when we see bodies, again, particularly like in those physics simulation games, they are toying with the idea of what a body is and what it has to be. Um, and as can be the case in many different fields, like that can manifest in a sort of like cathartic humorous way of like heart surgeon simulator, like I can't control my hands and that's funny. Um, 
And I think it's it's partially funny because like we always use the body as a tool in games. Like it's sort of flattened into something that can pick up things, that can walk, uh, that can hold something, that can jump. Um, but we have the capability to uh, use what we think of as a body in, in like, uh, like unthinkable ways, like so, so much more than the way that we often see the body used. Um, and so I like to explore like what, what different ways we can do that. Like one small experiment that I have that, um, again, I don't know if like some people probably wouldn't call it a game, but it's just like meant to evoke the feeling of like picking your cuticles and you're just essentially removing a pixel from a finger uh, every click. Um, and then like a little bit of blood spurts out. Um, sort of like this playing with this like pleasure of self-destruction almost uh, that again like I just don't I just don't see in games and I wish I could see more of. Um, bodies are cool and funny and interesting and I, I don't think we lean into that enough as game developers. I, I have to say when you were describing the blood spurting out after picking a cuticle I had a little bit of a, like an evocative reaction <laughs> like, oh, but in, like in the right ways that that's like therefore and and also because you've said now twice I don't know if this counts as a game for our podcast we're counting all as games we're okay, not gonna sorry. do the semantics so don't worry about that moving <laughs> forward um but yeah the, the cuticle is very satisfying um it's like the idea that I was getting as you were talking about it but I kind of want to focus in on I mean there's so many of your games but there was one that really stood out to me when I was going through your page which was this game called Space Kitty. Um, and I was wondering, just because I know how many people online love cats, um, but also I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about Space Kitty as a game, your inspirations of it, and, and kind of where humor sits in that game. Just, I could try to explain it, but I feel like it's best heard <laughs> from you. Sure. Um, so Space Kitty is a game uh, in which you are tasked with protecting an almighty space kitty. Um, you protect the space kitty from dog aliens, AKA doglians, uh, and you have to do it using light. Um, so on the technical side, the, the game just uses a webcam, um, picks up a certain like threshold of light that we'll see in the room and you like use the flashlight on your phone or just a regular flashlight to, to move it around the screen and, and shoot or zap the doglians. Um, which, uh, I mean, you mentioned like internet cats and like, I would love to say that I had a, a more interesting point of inspiration, but it, it was internet cats. Like the, the person I was working on it with uh, and I, we actually had to do, we, we had to make a game for an assignment and we had procrastinated. It was like the last minute, it was really late and we were just like slap happy. And we discovered this light thing and we were like, oh, can we make something from this? Like, let's do it. But what, what are we doing with the light? And, and I, you know, like the whole like meme of like cats in space shooting lasers out of their eyes. It was like, what if it's a, a kitten in space and you must protect them? Like just fully just things that we thought were hilarious. And like, that's it. It's unfortunately not deep at all. <laughs> But I love it. I mean, I just, I watched the trailer for it. And I mean, the idea of just, it, it's just the art alone is just fantastically ridiculous. And Doglians as a, as a concept, I, I really appreciate. Um, so I, I thought that was a really great piece there. And I mean, it's one of the many games that you've made. And you're, you're, the games that you're making, as you self-described, are artsy-fartsy. Um, and so how do you see your games differing kind of from like those mainstream big titles, some of which we've mentioned in the conversation today, but like those AAA games out there? Like where do you see kind of humor in the work that you can do as more of an indie or independent designer compared to those those larger companies? 
Um, it's a good question. I, and it's, it's tough and I have, I have feelings and thoughts that uh, like, I, like I have like a lot more freedom to kind of do what I want and pursue what I think is, is interesting um, in a way that like a triple A AAA game can't. Um, and my method of creation is very much like, I don't know, it's like selfish and, and, and we're looking at a lot of things. Like I just make things that I think are, are funny, which I think is freeing when it comes to humor. Um, because I, I think in a lot of ways, like making something funny is somewhat not entirely mutually exclusive from the concept of design, but they are, there are two categories of things that I think it's really, really difficult to bring together. Um, whereas I don't really view what I do as design at all um, and kind of have this space that I can make something that I think is funny or interesting or clever. And if nobody else thinks that it's fine because I'm not making a product, I don't have to sell anything. Um, I guess the downfall of that is that there are a lot of expectations about what a game should be that are going to inform like who it gets it or wants to play it or is interested. And so it's kind of like this precarious balance of like, you know, exploring tools and ideas that I think are, are funny or interesting, but also like kind of trying to entice people and like pay attention to me. Like, uh, so it's not entirely just like this, totally like, I don't know, like autophilic, like I, I'm just doing what I want thing. Right. And I'm, I'm curious because there was another game that I was like, and anyone listening, you should go check out Karina's itch. But there was another game that I was laughing about with Mark and Andre just because the art for it was called Party Baby. <laughs> um, and the art for that game is just hilarious. Um, but there's a there's a piece there in that game where you reference like the people who inspired you, right? Like I think it was like your friend's infant or something was like a big inspiration for the game. And so I wonder how much like the people you're designing with impact the humor or the people maybe you're designing for impact the humor that you're trying to put into these games. Like in the case of Party Baby, it actually features like some audio design like from um, Naomi Clark's infant at the time who, uh, I don't know, I think she said like the, she would cry whenever she had her diaper changed. And so they just had a lot of this audio and I happened to need it. Um, and I, I had been working on the game prior to that. Uh, but it was during this time when a lot of people I knew were having kids. So it was sort of something on my mind. Um, and I was like, like, there aren't, there aren't very many games about that experience that I'm watching people I know go through that that show like more of like a, a chaotic or messy side to it if that makes sense like if you think about taking care of a baby in a game it, most of the examples I can think of are going to be like pet games like Tamagotchis and stuff or again like The Sims where it's typically like a very like robotic like feed the baby pick up the baby's poop all that stuff um, but I'm watching people with kids and it's like messy and really gross. And uh, I wanted to kind of take that, what I was seeing and hearing about and convey it with like the, the art that you mentioned, like was very much intentionally, like I was trying to go for like, um, the, like 90s or like Ren and Stimpy, like Nick Coon-ish, um, semi-grotesque cartoony style. That to me is sort of what it sounded like having a kid was like, that it was like, you know, pleasing and wonderful and everything, but also like, uh, you know, you also sometimes get poop on your hands sometimes. Like it, it's it's also like a little bit gross. Um, 
so I definitely like draw inspiration from from the people around me. Um, if it makes them laugh, I hope it does. I don't know. <laughs> uh, I don't want to make, make it sound like I'm like making fun of other people or anything. I swear. Uh, I don't know. The world is funny, I guess. No, I, I, I totally agree. There, there's moments to laugh in, in most situations, <laughs> uh, even if it's not appropriate at all times. Um, and I kind of to that point of like parody or kind of reflecting the world in a different angle do you find that as like an independent designer you can do that with like concepts that like a triple a company couldn't i mean you mentioned like spamming the o key which i i can't imagine i mean i can see some triple a companies producing a game that lets you do that but are are there moments that you have where you can kind of almost make parody or make fun of kind of these larger titles that exist yeah absolutely um i, I mean i think i think it's it's especially making parody that is more biting like like you said like they're they're like you could see a grand theft auto like having some kind of masturbation joke like not like directly showing it but like having some kind of um reference to it that's supposed to be like kind of like body and make you laugh um but or like you you see like i mean it, a, a number of games that are are meant to be like you know your your duke nukem's like making fun of uh, existing genre or something, but it's always kind of like in good fun ribbing, I guess. Um, I think that there's more room for an independent developer to make games that are more self-critical of the industry. Um, when I, I got my master's thesis at the NYU Game Center, my thesis was on parody in games. Um, and part of it was I, I made a game that I called Candy Crunch um, that was Basically, you're you're playing a match three game, making candy, uh, like like Candy Crush. Um, but eventually, the candies disappear; they they stop coming. And what you have to do is essentially go into this factory and and make the candy yourself. So like, you have to go through all these steps to like uh, create like the candy juice to like mold the candy. And then after like five minutes, you have one candy that then goes to the screen, and now you can you know build up some more candy to get to play the game again. Um, which was very much like me trying to comment on um like play as labor like the, the idea of like a lot of like free-to-play games simply being a form of uh labor like it's less their existence is less about having this fun experience for the player and more about like getting people hooked onto it so that the company can make money off of it um so i i like that's not something that i can see flying necessarily at a larger company um and i think it's useful um not that like i've made anything i would necessarily say is particularly useful but i think it's a space that is is good for like the industry to be critical of itself and, and for artists to be critical of this larger industrial com the industrial gaming complex uh, that we live in <laughs> yeah no I, I think that's a really like a nice way to put it in terms of there are a lot of issues that at least you as an independent designer can start to kind of take a jab at and you've done that with some of your games both towards the game industry but beyond that which is fantastic to see um and just as we're kind of coming to the end of our episode today i was wondering if there was a game that you particularly wanted to highlight when we're talking about humor or there's a project you have upcoming that you wanted to highlight i don't i, I don't want to force you to disclose all of your designer secrets um but just as a, a kind of a, a nice ending note to talk about today yeah, no. Uh, another benefit of being an indie developer is, for the most part, I don't, I don't have NDAs. I don't care. Uh, I'll tell you all about what I'm working on. Uh, no, so one game I, I've been working on that I think fits really well with this is um, uh, a game that's meant to be about like 
um, are you familiar with the concept of strodes? Uh, like Why don't you explain it for the <laughs> okay. audience member who isn't familiar? Okay. Uh, so like it's it's a street and a road combined that like as a like as infrastructure like I think it's like uh, roads are for transporting things and transporting goods and like streets are for human beings to move between and in North America uh, we just have like these what this person that came up with this term called Schroeds, um, where it is both transporting things and people and it does both really crappily. Um, and growing up in like the middle of America where there is no sort of like public space or infrastructure, I was thinking about this concept and like how much it kind of sucks to be a kid in one of these spaces, like there's nowhere to play or go. So I am making a game that's, you know, just sort of like a a walking simulator where you're, you're outside um, in this long, never-ending road uh, full of houses, suburban houses that all look exactly the same, um, and you're following like this red light that keeps flashing, and there are cars, so you can't go in the street or you'll get hit. You can't go in the lawns because all of the like uh, the waspy people will be like, get off my lawn. Um, so you keep walking, going towards this red light uh, until eventually you sort of hit this highway that feeds all of the cars in. Um, and you see across the street that the like the red light that you were following was just, it was just Walmart. Um, so it's just, a, it's just like a one note joke about like the nothingness of, of being a kid in suburbia. Um, I guess back to that idea of like banality and things that kind of aren't very funny and kind of maybe depressing. Um, but yeah, that's one thing that, that I'm working on that kind of fits here. That, that hits really close to home because I grew up in suburbia where like the only thing to do was to go to like a Walmart where yeah. you maybe had like a few quarters and you could try to use those machines if it was like a good day. Yeah. Um, um, so I, I love it as an idea and I look forward to seeing it come out. Um, and everyone listening, you should go check out all of Karina's stuff and check it out as well. Um, but that's the end of the episode today. Um, so thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate it. And for talking with you, it was an absolute pleasure. Uh, thanks for having me. This is fun. That was our talk with Karina Pop. Thanks for listening and see you next time on the Humor and Games podcast.